Well, it's good, again, to be with all of you this weekend, and I want us to think uh, together about memories. A memory can be a really, really powerful thing, can't it? It's something that, that just takes you right back in time, right back to a moment, right back to an experience, and there's, there's triggers that can kind of bring those memories right back for you, aren't there? I was thinking about that just uh, on Easter this year. I was in the atrium, and I saw this little girl. She was probably three or four years old, and she was wearing a, a yellow, really kind of foo-foo dress. And as soon as I saw this little girl, I immediately thought of our oldest daughter, Lainey. The very first dress, dress-up dress that she ever got was a Belle dress from Beauty and the Beast. And I mean, Lainey, she would wear it every day, all day, everywhere. Uh, it just didn't matter. She loved her little bell dress. So much so that uh, when she was in high school as a cheerleader in Perkins, they, they'd get their megaphones decorated, hand-painted, and that's the picture that she wanted painted on her high school megaphone. Now she's uh, just finished her first year of college. I saw that little girl in the atrium in that yellow dress, and just immediately it took me back. That's what memories can do, Right? Now, this one's going to seem like an odd one, but uh, I don't know if anybody here uses Aveda hair products, but uh, a couple, couple weeks back, we were at a hotel, and they happened to use this particular brand. I mean, they, man, they, they really were stepping it up. It wasn't just your, because this is good stuff, rosemary mint. And I opened the cap, started to lather up, and immediately the smell, it triggered a memory. It took me back. You see, on the day that Lisa and I got married, she got her hair done at a salon where they used rosemary mint Aveda products. And I mean, I smelled it, and immediately I was transported to almost 24 years ago. And I can remember dancing with Lisa and smelling her hair. A memory. Memories can be so powerful. Or now every time I see a, a ladder uh, because of Pastor Eric's message about trading in the climbing the ladder for success, for the towel of servanthood, I can't see a ladder the same way again. I immediately think about that message, and I ask myself, what am I climbing for, and who am I serving instead? Or, or this past weekend on Memorial Day weekend, like many of you, uh, Lisa and I, we were out working in the garden, and she was primarily planting, and I was cleaning up some things and mulching, and she, she did her pots and did her flowers, and she was planting the garden, and when we came in, uh, immediately she's like, I just couldn't help but think about my dad the whole time. Her dad passed away just a couple years ago, and her dad loved to work in the yard. He had a green thumb like no other. He loved to plant flowers, and he took great pride in their landscape. And it just, again, it took us back. Memories can be a powerful thing. In the, in the Gospels, just before we read about Jesus getting ready to go to the cross and to suffer, Jesus instituted something to give his first disciples and to us as well a memory. He wanted us to do something on a regular basis in order that we would never forget. That time and time again, we would be transported back to the message of Jesus and the cross and his death and his burial 
and his resurrection. And that first communion, as we call it, some churches call it uh, the Lord's Supper, some churches call it the Eucharist or the Mass, whatever you call it, that first one occurred in the Gospel of Luke, one of the renditions of it, in chapter 22, verses 14 to 20. And I want us to go to this, this powerful scene that Jesus had set with his disciples, and I just want to read through it, and then we're going to, verse by verse and phrase by phrase, rediscover some of the rich meaning in this incredible memory that Jesus was trying to make with his disciples. It says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles, they sat down together at the table, and Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. He said, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks. He said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again. I just read that, didn't I? He took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, then, it says, he took another cup of wine. And he said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So what I want us to do is to take this fairly common passage to many of us that might be Christ followers in the room, and I'd like us to rediscover some of the rich meaning that it, that it holds, and that Jesus meant for this remembrance to be for us. So he begins, it says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles, they sat down together at a table. They were about to have a meal together. And in this day, sharing a meal together was a great and deep sign of friendship, of committed relationship. It's why when the religious leaders saw Jesus at other times dining with tax collectors and sinners, it caused an uproar. Because it wasn't just simply sharing a meal it meant that you were really sharing life, that you had welcomed others into your life, and vice versa. And so Jesus, he sits down to have this meal with his disciples, and he says, I've been very eager to have this meal together with you. And what kind of meal was it? It was a Passover meal. Now, the Passover was a tradition that had begun years before for all Jewish people to do every year. The, the first record of this is in Exodus chapter 12. And the, the Passover meal was meant to be also a reminder to God's people. Uh, a reminder of how God had rescued his people out of slavery, out of Egypt. If you remember the story, uh, God was trying to get the Pharaoh's attention to free his people. And Moses was the mouthpiece for God's message. And time and time again, Moses would go to the Pharaoh and say, "'Let my people go.'" And the Pharaoh would be hard-hearted, and he would reject this, and he wanted to keep them for himself and keep them under his control. And so God had to go hard at Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. 
And, and he told the Israelite nation, I want you to do something for me because on this night, this particular night, an angel of death is going to come over every household and take the firstborn. But God told the Israelite nation, but I want you to do something. I want you to take a lamb, a, a blemishless lamb, and sacrifice it. And take the blood of that lamb and put it upon the doorposts, doorposts of your homes. And when the angel of death comes through Egypt, when he comes to the homes with the blood, he will pass over those homes. And the firstborn shall live. This is where we get the term Passover. This was the meal that the Jewish people had celebrated for decades. And now Jesus was about to take this memory and create a whole new memory with the disciples, pointing, pointing to himself as the Passover lamb, pointing to his own blood that would be shed on the cross to give forgiveness and freedom to everyone that puts their trust in Jesus. So it says they sat down and they had this Passover meal. And then verse 16 says this, For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This is why we also sometimes call this, uh, this story, this scenario in the scriptures, the Last Supper. Jesus was literally having his last meal before going to the cross and suffering and dying with his disciples. And he says, I'm not going to have this meal again until its meaning is completely fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He goes on, he says, then he took a cup of wine. Now, a cup of wine would have been a common element of any meal in that day, and especially a common element in the Passover meal. In fact, in the Passover meal, there would be multiple cups of wine, and all of them would have some sort of specific symbolism. This first cup of wine that would have been passed would have been called the cup of blessing. And so Jesus takes wine, a common element, as he often would do. Jesus would take common things, common scenarios, common situations, and give them uncommon meaning. And so he takes the wine, and he says, he gave thanks. He gave thanks to God for it. That, that phrase, give thanks, is the Greek word eucharistus, which is why some churches call the Lord's Supper or communion the Eucharist. It simply means to give thanks to God. To give thanks to God for who he is and all that he has done. And Jesus, he takes the cup and he Eucharists. He gives thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. This is part of the reason we call it communion. We share this together. It's taking a common element that unites us, communion. And we come together around these common elements of crackers and juice to be unified in our belief and faith in Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. He says, so share it among yourselves. And then in verse 18, he says, for I will not drink, this, drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. There's something that Jesus has put off and put on the sidelines of his life. And he says, I'm not going to drink of this again 
but I want you to continue to drink of it every time. And when you do, remember me. It says, then he took some bread. Again, another common element of the day. Uh, And he gave thanks. He Eucharisted it. He gave thanks to God for it. And then it says he broke it into pieces. And when I first read that, I'm like, that's not what happens with bread. Bread doesn't break. Bread tears, right? At least in this scenario, though, the, the Passover feast was also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's why it broke. It had no yeast in it. It had no leaven. It, it didn't rise. It was flat, and it was crisp, and it was brittle. And so when Jesus held up the bread, it broke. The reason for that in the Passover feast, God had commanded the Israelite nation during the Passover to bake bread, but to not use the yeast or the leaven. Why? Because in that day, yeast and leaven was also a, a, a sign or a symbol of sin. That's why, that's why the Proverbs will say, be careful, a little yeast will go a long way. It can infect a whole loaf of bread, right? Just as a little bit of sin can infect a whole life, a whole family, a whole community. And so during the Passover feast, they, they were reminded that there needed to be a spotless lamb, a without leaven, a without yeast lamb that would be broken for the people. And now Jesus was taking bread. And then look what he says. He holds the bread, he breaks it, and then he says, this is my body. He was saying, this bread that you see before you that is broken is a symbol. It's a reminder of my body that is given for you. It's interesting that Jesus at one time said, I am the bread of life. In Jesus, we don't have to ever go truly hungry. My body given for you. And then those infamous words, do this in remembrance of me. Do this. It was a command. It's why in the church, oftentimes we'll call this an ordinance of the church. Something that God, or Jesus, specifically ordered his followers to do. And this is one of them, communion. Why we do this every month is because Jesus told us to. There's another ordinance that we consider here at the chapel, and that's baptism. And next weekend, we'll do that. And we'll have an incredible celebration of seeing people go down under the water, this beautiful picture of Jesus going down into the grave and rising from the dead to new life. And we'll celebrate the new life that people have experienced. It's one of the ordinances of the church. But this too, communion was an ordinance. Jesus said, do this. And then he said, and do this in remembrance. This is the whole point. For decades and centuries, communion has been something that has both divided Christians and yet united them. Divided over perhaps some of the ways that they go about sharing communion or the Lord's Supper or what they call it, whether it's the Eucharist or the Mass or, or communion. But uniting us in this one thing, it is all about Jesus. It's all meant to create a memory, to take us back in time to Jesus and his incredible sacrifice. He finishes the meal. It says, and after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant 
between God and people. A new covenant that he had instituted in that very moment, as opposed to the old covenant, the old agreement or relationship that people had agreed to. Uh, The Mosaic covenant that God had given to Moses and Moses had passed along to the Israelite nation. It was a specific covenant and agreement between God and the Israelites. And, and, And it was an agreement that was maintained by the sacrifice of animals for the sins of the people. And yet it was always intended to be a temporary covenant. Even the the writer of Hebrews says, for the blood of bulls and goats could never cleanse us ultimately from our sins. And so while under the old covenant, animals were killed, and it was just a reminder to people of their own sinfulness and their own need for forgiveness and the, the need for sacrifice in the new covenant, Jesus was saying, this is a new deal, this is a new agreement, and no longer are you going to have to sacrifice animals. No longer will you be constantly reminded of your sinfulness. No longer will you have to continue to do this because the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus himself, would spill his blood and it would pay for all sins, for all eternity. And that's what Jesus says. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So in a few moments, we're we're going to share communion. But what do we do in this time? We want to do what Jesus would have us to do in this time. And I think there's three things that Jesus is calling us towards that will help us, through communion, learn to live a life of remembrance. And the first one is simply to remember. (laughs) It's what Jesus told us to do. Do this, and do this so that you will continue to remember me. To remember here means to bring to mind, to, to have deliberate recollection. And it's done to better appreciate the effects or the intended results of what happened. You see how that all comes together? On the first of the month here at the chapel, we deliberately set aside time to share communion together so that we will not forget, because we are forgetful people, to to appreciate the effects, the attended results of what happened when Jesus went to the cross and suffered and died for us. It's self-prompted, it says, recollection, especially as a memorial. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. The first thing that we ought to do when we take the bread and the cup is to remember. The second thing, I think, not just remember Jesus, but, but to take some time to reflect on our own life. To take time to reflect. To, to, to kind of ask ourselves some questions. In fact, this is what Paul uh, says uh, to the Corinthian church when he's giving some direction to the early church about this thing that we do, this memory that we make together called communion. He says, if anyone eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, he is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now you say, well, what does that mean? We have to be worthy enough to come forward and Take the elements? No, that's not what this is saying, actually. 
Because if that was the case, none of us could come forward. We, we're not worthy. I'm not worthy. Paul was saying to the people, make sure that when you take the elements, that you take them in a worthy manner. What's a worthy way to take communion? It's to take time to make sure that we're remembering. It's to not do it thoughtlessly. But it's to take that time to remember Jesus and to reflect on our own life. That's why in verse 28 he goes on, he says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So let me give us a few questions. Number one, as we take the bread and the cup, to ask ourselves, to reflect on our own life and to say, am I remembering Jesus in this, this moment? Because this, this was his whole point. Secondly, am I recognizing these elements for what they were intended? Am I reflecting that this reminds me of Jesus' broken body given for me? This reminds me of Jesus' blood poured out as a sacrifice for me. And thirdly, to ask the question, am I living a life of remembrance for the one who gave his life for me? This is an important reflective question. Am I living a life of... You know, when we have a powerful memory, when Lisa came in from, 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 from gardening and planting, and it reminded her of her father, I guarantee you, when she was out there, as she placed flowers, as her hands were in the dirt, she wanted to do it in a way that would be reminiscent of the way her dad did it. It's meant to be a memory, and it's meant to cause us to live up to, to, to live our life in remembrance of the one. So we take time to reflect, and finally, finally we take time to renew. Jesus said this cup is a, a new covenant between God and his people, a new agreement, a new relationship. And so we take time to renew our relationship, our, our covenant, our agreement, our commitment to Jesus. That's what this time is meant for. To remember, to reflect, and to renew. And so in a moment, we're going to give you an invitation to communion. I say an invitation. Today, you're going to come forward. We're not going to come serve you. You are going to come forward. And the way that we're going to do that is there's two main aisles here, okay? And this is really important. So all of you over there, you'll come to this main aisle and you'll come down. And there's two tables up front at the end of that main aisle. And so those of you in this section, you'll come and you'll go to the table to your left. And then you can just go right back around and find your seat. Those of you in the middle here and over here, uh, you'll need to split the difference, okay? Some of you will move all the way down your aisle to the main aisle. Still come this way. You'll come to the table to your right. And then you can make your way back to your seats. Same thing will happen over here. Uh, when you come forward, there, you'll find the trays, and Steve Bechtel, one of our elders, will be serving with me, and we'll have the trays there for you, and you'll take uh, two cups. They're stacked one upon another. And uh, if you have some gluten intolerance, take from the very center ring of those trays. And what we'd like to, you to do is just to take the elements and then take them back to your seat. And, and during this time, you're going to be hearing some music. You're going to you're going to see a music video of a, a powerful song called Remembrance. 
And I hope that even though there will be a little hustle and bustle and we've got to move and find our way down, that we would just quiet our spirits, that, that this would be a holy moment, even as we come forward, that we would take time to remember, to reflect, and to renew. And that in so doing, you'd go back to your seat, and whenever you're ready, you just take the elements and say, thank you, Jesus. That will be for you to do on your own. And uh, I won't direct us in any way. Also, there are some parents in the room that have students that are currently in third and fourth grade, or in other words, they're going, getting ready to go into fourth and fifth grade. And we want to introduce you to our Edge 45 program. And so there's a special opportunity for you as parents of students going into fourth and fifth grade. And what we're going to have you do is once you come forward and take the elements, you can take them at your will, but then we want to invite you to go ahead and be dismissed and slip out the back. And you'll go across the atrium to our C2 room and you'll meet one of our Kids Celebration team members there. We'll, they'll have a brief informational meeting for fourth and fifth students going into fourth and fifth. You don't have to go get your kids yet. You get a few more moments of freedom and you can go and enjoy that meeting, learn a little bit about a powerful ministry that's going to help your future fourth or fifth grader take their next steps closer to Jesus as well. So just to be clear, parents of students going into fourth and fifth grade, once you take the communion elements, you can just go ahead and slip right out on the back. The rest of us will be reseated you can take the elements when you're ready. Enjoy the video. Take in the moment. And then I'll close our time in prayer. This is an invitation to come. Come not because you're strong, but because you know that you're weak. Come not because you're worthy, but because you know you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little, but you want to love him so much more. Come because he loved you and he gave himself for you. So lift up your hearts, your minds, above your cares and your fears and let this bread and this cup be to you a reminder, a reminder of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of of his spirit. And so now, come. Come and remember.